Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 85th program in this series. In the previous message, I was in John chapter 15, verse 14, when Jesus said, You are my friends if you do... Whatever I command you. And in the previous message, I was explaining that this is the condition of being friends with Jesus. That if you want to be his friend, then you are going to have to do whatever he commands you to do. And as I have explained from John chapter 14 and in the previous messages on John chapter 15, this refers to the old covenant. He's talking about the commandments of God. And these were well described through Moses. We have the law that was given through Moses, the commandments. And this is the message that Jesus has been proclaiming since the beginning of his ministry. We are at the end of his ministry. This is the last conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples before he is crucified. And he is staying consistent with what he started with. Because this is the covenant that is, in effect, the Old Covenant, you are to obey the commandments of God. And if you don't, then you will not have a place with him in the kingdom of heaven. And this is another way that Jesus describes this. So Jesus is consistent with his message all the way to the end of his ministry, because that's the covenant that is currently in effect. But he does proclaim what is coming next, the New Covenant, He does proclaim that in the midst of being consistent with telling his disciples to continue to try to live in obedience to the law of God, in obedience to the commandments of God. And in this context, in verse 14, he says that we have a relationship, you and I, and in this relationship, you are my friend. But this relationship is going to be conditional on whether or not you continue to obey the commandments that I give you. Continuing into verse 15, Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So he gives them a little bit more of a definition of what it means to be his friend, He has been relating to them up to this point, apparently, in the context of them being like a servant. But now he is asserting that he is no longer going to relate to them in that way. He's now going to relate to them as a friend. Well, in what way is that really going to be different? Because in verse 14, he explains that this is conditional on them continuing to obey his commandments. Well, it was the same thing when they were considered to be his servants in that sense. 
that they were still expected to obey the commandments. And so if he's going to be referring to them as a friend, he needs to give them more to go on. He needs to give them a better definition so that they can have an understanding of what that means. So in verse 15, he explains a little bit more, and he says, well, yeah, our relationship is still the same in the sense that you are still expected to obey whatever I say, to obey all of the commandments. You are still expected to do that. But at this time, I'm going to say that our relationship is maybe going to be a little bit different. And the way that it is different now is that I'm going to tell you about all the things that I am doing. That's what he says in verse 15. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Now, this could imply that he was holding some things back, that there were some things that he did not reveal to them up to this point. And this point is when he's having this conversation with his disciples just before he is arrested and then crucified. So he's making some more things known to them. What could those things be? Well, we don't have a lot in the historical record about the giving of the Holy Spirit. So we could consider that to be something new, that this is something that he is doing. He is going to do something, and then the Holy Spirit is going to come to them and dwell in them. And when they are made spiritually alive, then there will be a change They will know God in a better way, in a more understandable way, in a clearer way than what they understood at this point. Jesus has expressed this as something that will be new, and he is explaining to them that his relationship with them now is as a friend because he's telling them what he's doing, and that this is what he's doing. It has to do with salvation and the invocation of the new covenant. But it doesn't mean that he's going to tell them everything that he is doing. He does say at the end of verse 15, For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And as a man, because God was manifested in the flesh in order to live as a man, as Jesus, as Jesus, he knew only what he wanted to know. And this was as far as he wanted to know. But this is going to change. This will change. When he is resurrected from the dead, there will be a whole new life that he is going to be engaged in. And so those who he relates to as friends will then be informed of many other things about what he is doing. And this is a way of understanding a little bit more about the relationship that we have with our God. That in the relationship that we have, there will be times when he will reveal to us some of the things that he is doing. And through that revelation, there will also be an invitation to participate in the things that he is doing. And we know that this is a real experience in the relationship that we have with him through the new covenant. But that is something that will come later. Jesus is proclaiming to the disciples what is happening at this moment but there will certainly be much more to say and much more to reveal in the future. But either way, it's important to recognize the limitation concerning this relationship that he has with them. The limitation is that it is conditional. 
It is a conditional relationship on the basis of their obedience. To what degree do they repent and obey? Now, no one is going to do whatever he commands, whatever he says. No one is going to obey the commandments of God perfectly. And so if this is the criteria to maintain, to sustain friendship with God, to sustain this status, it's only a matter of time before it is lost. Because we are not perfect and we will fail. So if there is going to be a friendship between us and our God, between Jesus and us, if there's going to be a friendship that will continue, that will be lasting, be everlasting, then it's going to have to be according to different criteria. And the different criteria is made possible when he dies for the sins of the world. When he resolves the sin issue, when he dies for the sins of the world, when he provides for forgiveness, it is at that time that he will be able to relate to us in a different way. Because at that point, the commandments are fulfilled. They are fulfilled in the sense that God has given his commands and we either obey those commands or we don't. And if we don't, that will be held against us. But when he provides for forgiveness, then there is no sin left that could be held against us. So the commandment requires obedience or death or some other consequence. But Jesus has taken that consequence upon himself through dying for our sins. Therefore, the commandment is fulfilled not by our obedience, but the commandment is fulfilled by the death of the Messiah. Again, the commandments of God are not fulfilled by our obedience. The commandments of God are fulfilled by the death of the Messiah, by the obedience of the Messiah, who has died for our sins, he died on our behalf, and this fulfills the requirement of the law. So when this is accomplished, our God will no longer relate to us on the basis of obedience to the commandments. Unless you'd like to be judged according to your works, then I'm sure he can accommodate that, and that certainly will not end well for anyone. But the new covenant is initiated through forgiveness, so that the requirements of the law are fulfilled, and this is what makes it possible for us to have a new way of life. Now, here in John chapter 15, verses 14 and 15, he says, You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. What you can see here is that he does an initiation. He initiates the relationship. He says, I call you friends. I have now declared that you are my friend. But with this condition that he attaches to this friendship, this is not going to last for very long. With the new covenant... He is able to declare us to be his friend with no conditions. That's the difference. When there are no conditions, such as whatever I command you to do, when there are no conditions, then the friendship is eternal. 
It is eternal because there is nothing that we can do in order to violate that relationship so that we are rejected by our God and no longer considered to be his friends. So this is what's so important about resting in the complete forgiveness of sins. When people do not rest in the complete forgiveness of sins, when people continue to try to keep the sin issue alive, they try to keep it alive by saying, God still holds your sins against you. When they do that, then they establish these conditions that are in our own minds. They are not in the mind of God. That's not how he relates to us anymore. That's in our own minds. And we become separated from God in our own minds. And when we decide to do that, then the effect is just the same as if God did separate from us, as if God did reject us. It will be the same. But when we hold to the truth, when we rely on, we trust in, and we abide in the truth that we are his friend because he has said so, because he has declared that that is the case, then we can begin to be the recipient of what he has for us. In this context, just to give you an example, you have acceptance. This is a way that you can understand that you are accepted by God. This is something that you have because of what he has done, not because of what you have done or because what you have not done, but because of what he has done for you, you now have his acceptance. Now, what does this mean to have his acceptance? Of what value would this be to you? Most people are thinking, well, I want to be blessed by God. I want to have more flour in my kneading bowl. I want to lend and not borrow. Things like that. They're normally thinking about their flesh. They're not thinking about the need that they have in their spirit, in the core of their being. You have this need. You have this need to be accepted. You want to be accepted. You desire acceptance from others. This is something that you were created to have. This is a need that God created you to have. And when you don't have it, you have emptiness. You have a sense of emptiness within you because you have the absence of acceptance. Now, you were created by your God with this need for acceptance, but the kind of acceptance that you need to feel truly fulfilled can only come from God. No one else can give you the kind of acceptance that you genuinely need. But we have a tendency to go out into the world and we try to obtain acceptance from other people. And there's nothing inherently evil about that. It's what you would expect of someone who needs acceptance, who feels their genuine sense of emptiness because they have a need for acceptance. And so we go out into the world trying to obtain acceptance from others. But what do we do? What do people tend to do in order to obtain acceptance from other people? Well, for the most part, it ends up being some form of sin. That's what it ends up looking like. Not in all cases, but in many cases, it ends up being an opportunity for us to be sinful, for us to be dishonest, for us to be deceptive, for us to be manipulative. These are some of the real techniques and strategies and approaches that people take in order to obtain acceptance from other people. So it becomes 
a source of sin. It becomes a cause of sin. When you rest in the acceptance that your God has given to you, it will set you free from pursuing acceptance from others. It will set you free from that. This doesn't mean that there's something wrong with being accepted by other people and doing so in legitimate ways. This is good. This is something that should be encouraged. But our pursuit of obtaining acceptance in illegitimate, dishonest, inappropriate, sinful ways is a problem. And this is one of the ways that we can be set free from the burden that is so intense that it would motivate us to engage in sin, to have these needs met. We will be set free by being fulfilled in our being through the acceptance of God. So if we are accepted by God, it will set us free in such a way that we will not be so burdened to try to obtain the acceptance of others in sinful ways. As a result, the sin in our lives can be reduced. The sin in our lives will be reduced as a side effect of resting in the acceptance of God. So a better way to understand the sin that we commit, the sin that we are engaged in, a better way to understand it is that we are sinning because we are not resting in the acceptance of God. It is an indicator that we are not being accepted by our God. If we were, chances are we would not be engaged in so much sin. Now, you would think that Christianity would be the means by which people would rest in his acceptance. But unfortunately, the overwhelming majority of teachers, of preachers, pastors, ministers, priests, whomever, the overwhelming majority of these people have been teaching things to others that lead people to believe that acceptance is conditional upon their obedience to the commandments. Their obedience to God. Acceptance is conditional. Well, this is true if you are living under the old covenant. Just as Jesus said here in verse 14, John chapter 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. That's the law. That's the old covenant. But we have a new covenant that is in effect that our God has given us his acceptance. He has given us his love. He has given us his forgiveness. He has initiated this new relationship with us. But this is something that goes into effect. This is something that happens after Jesus dies and resurrects from the dead. Before that happens, he stays consistent with proclaiming the old covenant. So there is something that is coming, and Jesus can mention it here and there, but it will not be in effect until after he dies and resurrects from the dead. Moving forward into verse 16. In verse 16, Jesus continues and he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Now again, this describes the way that God relates to people, that God is the one who initiates relationships. He expresses that here, but he also expresses the fact that this is conditional. 
It is conditional according to the covenant that is in effect. Now, he states clearly here that he chose these individual people. There is a popular belief that has existed since the beginning of the church. There is a popular belief that for some reason they think that he is referring to everyone, that he chooses everyone, or at least he chooses a select group of people, that there are those who are the chosen and there are those who are not the chosen. And so some people are chosen to be saved and other people are chosen to go to hell. This is a popular belief. It is a belief that has been around ever since the founding of the church, and it will continue to be probably the predominant belief in Christianity until the Lord Jesus returns. I expect that to be the case. I certainly do not believe this at all. Here in John chapter 15, verse 16, what I see is that he is saying to the disciples that he chose them and them alone. He chose them in the sense that he approached them. And he said, I have decided that I want you to be in a relationship with me. Now, some of them went to him first. He went to others. We have a few passages in the Gospels that describe how he chose the disciples and how some of them got started with him. We have some information concerning that. But he tells these men specifically that he chose them and that he appointed them that they should go and bear fruit, continuing in verse 16, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you, which is repetition for the previous verses when he said, ask whatever you would like to ask, and that will be done for you. Again, on condition of you being obedient to the commandments. So he chose them, but he chose them under the condition that they would be obedient to the commandments. This is not going to hold up for very long because they are not going to obey the commandments. They are going to have to be born again. There will have to be a different relationship the relationship that exists between Jesus and these specific disciples who he chose, the relationship is conditional upon the commandments, and this relationship is about to change. It's about to change. So he chose them that they should go do these things, that hopefully they would go do these things, bear fruit and fruit that should remain, but that's not going to work. That's not going to work out. There will have to be a different relationship, and that's what's about to happen. They are about to be saved. When the Holy Spirit comes upon them and dwells within them, when that happens, and we have a record of this in the book of Acts, when this happens, the relationship is different. What he says here becomes obsolete. It becomes obsolete. Sure, he chose them that they should go and bear fruit and that their fruit should remain. But that's not going to work out. There will have to be something different. And the something different happens when the Holy Spirit dwells within them and they are made into a new creation. Then there is a new covenant. There is a new relationship. And then the fruit of the Spirit 
has the potential of being real in their lives. But under this definition, under this relationship, it will never be real in their lives. So yes, he chose them. But in the way that he chose them and what he chose them for, all of that is about to become obsolete. It is about to pass away and there will be a new relationship based on their surrender to the new covenant. So he did choose them to be a part of his ministry. His ministry will end, so that relationship on the basis for which he has chosen them will end, and there will be a new one, and the new one is coming very soon, based on what he has said previously about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit dwells within them, they will be a new creation, they will be a child of God, because they will surrender to the new covenant at least well enough. Now, there is, of course, a lot more that needs to be said about verse 16, but I'm out of time in this program, and so I will continue in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 85th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 15, verses 14 through 16, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he called them his friends. But in verse 14, he puts a condition on this declaration that they are his friends. In verse 14, he said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you, which means by default, if they fail to do whatever he commands them, then they will not be his friends, which is consistent with the old covenant the covenant that was in effect even right up to the end of his ministry. But in the new covenant, he declares us to be his friend, and we are an eternal friend because of what he has done for us. The law of God requires obedience or there will be penalty. And when Jesus died as the penalty for the sin of the world, the law was fulfilled. So when we surrender to the new covenant, we are a friend of God eternally because of his forgiveness. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,